Welcome to The Daily Dharma, a podcast where we draw inspiration from Buddhist philosophy on how to unfuck our lives. Join us as we dig through the archives of Buddhist texts, great teachers, and real life to grab an extra hit of wisdom to lift us up from the daily grind and find much-needed peace. Hi everyone, welcome to the Daily Dharma Podcast. My name is Akemi, your host for this episode and many to come. And in this episode, I just wanted to give you guys a bit of an introduction on who I am, my spiritual journey, and what really brought me to this point where I felt inspired to do a podcast on Buddhist philosophy. Because let's face it, it's a bit of a niche subject. And I would say that this is a topic that is mostly um, covered by people who are more or less experts of Buddhist philosophy, people like nuns and monks, um, other sort of representatives of like Buddhist philosophy and Buddhism in general. You might have probably heard of the Dalai Lama, um, maybe different monks who um, create great content on Buddhist philosophy like Ajahn Brahm. I'm a huge fan of his. Um, But like why? Why would me, a 27-year-old girl who does marketing, want to do a podcast on Buddhist philosophy. It's a bit of a weird thing. So I kind of thought, okay, why not just kick off this podcast with an introduction into my spiritual journey and how it kind of brought me to this point where I just feel inspired to talk about Buddhist philosophy and how it really applies to everyday life and how it might actually give you a couple tips on how to handle things well, how to cope when times are hard, um, and like how to sort of like see the light when all the time and everywhere around you, you just see darkness. Um, Because trust me, I've been there. I've been there many, many times. And that's why I wanted to share my journey. And hopefully that would give you a bit of insight onto yours. All right. So enough of the intro ramble. Let me just get into my story. So you know, 27 years ago, I was born in Japan. Um, I lived in Japan, lived in China. Then I lived in Sri Lanka. And it's, I think like being a kid of like multiple cultures like that, like you're very confused because, you know, you look a certain way. So I looked South Asian, yet I spoke Japanese. Um, and I had a lot of things inside of me that were very East Asian, but I wasn't East Asian. Um, So that cultural dysphoria definitely helped to make me a very confused child. Um, So when I arrived in Sri Lanka around 2003, you know, the world was a very different place back then. Um, And so was Sri Lanka. So, um, you know, I had the privilege of being around my grandma and sort of like living with grandparents for the first time of my life um and also just getting a crash course on like Sri Lanka and what that's about um because just because you're from a place doesn't mean you know of that place and you know I up to that point in my life I had I've only been a tourist to Sri Lanka I'd never lived there um you know like never quite got the grasp of the place um because we would go and then we would stay for a brief period of time and then we'd leave um so this was like a really cool 
opportunity for me to just get a sense of like what is this place about um and like what what do I really stand to gain from the culture because there's a lot I had to learn um so there I was a little alien third culture kid um you know arriving in Sri Lanka for the first time to live there um and also living with my grandparents and you know like as a Sinhalese Buddhist family, like we, you know, Buddhism has always been in my blood. My grandma's really Buddhist. My mom is really Buddhist. Um, but as a kid, like, you know, an 11 year old kid at that point, I really didn't understand like what religion really was or philosophy or anything of that matter. Um, and I kind of saw this as a chance for like, hey, well, let me learn because you know, like back then, the internet connection was really slow. I didn't really understand what was going on on TV. And those, the internet and the TV, like those are my hobbies back then. So I didn't really have much to do as a kid. Um, so whenever my mom would go to the temple, I'd be like, hey, maybe I'll just come with you. And then, you know, I'd go to the temple. They'd say a bunch of stuff and, you know, like chanting and stuff. And I would not understand any of it. And I'm like, you know what? Like, I'm living here now. And this is going to happen fairly often. So why not just learn what the heck Buddhism is about just so whenever I go to the temple, I know what I'm doing versus kind of like mumbling something, you know, that I memorized and then just hoping that good will come out of it. Like, cause like, it's just a nonsense. Um, so like, I just happened to, you know, there, there happened to be like one monk at a temple that we went to who actually knew how to speak English. So he actually, you know, like I, I had no idea about Buddhism. So he started sort of telling me like stories of the murals on the wall in the temple. So I don't know if you have ever been to like a temple in Asia, but like murals and like Buddhist art often depict like the story of Buddha and like, you know, like enlightenment and things like that so I was really curious like oh hey these pictures are really cool like what do they say like what 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 is the story that these pictures are trying to say so he was really kind and like he you know like explained the story to me and that sort of made me a little bit curious as to like what is this religion philosophy about um so the next step of action is like hey, well, hey there's a temple on every block of this nation like why not join a sunday school haha -ha. um i think i'm probably the first child in the history of sunday school to actually want to go to sunday school um and typically because sunday school is based on like your region right so you would go to like a neighborhood temple in order to join their sunday school um you know like we found one in our area and you know me and my mom we went there and I was like I would really like to join your Sunday school hey will you accept me um and I, I to be honest as a kid I thought it was a fairly straightforward process like you go in you show up you're like hey I live here around the area um can you please accept me um but surprisingly no I, they couldn't just accept somebody um you know like the head monk of that temple basically gave me like a very pitiful look and he was like hey like here are some books um study these books um we'll do like a little bit of an entrance exam and based on that we might be able to put you at your level um because like I was like 11 years old and I had no idea that most children in Sri Lanka you know Buddhist children that is or any children of you know they would 
have like at that age they would actually have been getting religious education or philosophy education of some kind um since birth and i was at zero i had never attended any kind of sunday school slash buddhist class in my life at that point so i had nothing like i, ha I had no knowledge to draw from so when he, he might as well like handed me like uh, you know books in like a different language because that's how familiar I was with that material um but anyhow I took the books and one of them actually happened to be a little book of sort of translations so they had like all of those like buddhist chantings and stuff and they had you know it was all written in english um I think the publisher was singaporean um so basically they had like the Buddhist chanting, everything was in English, but one side was written like what it would sound in Pali. Um, and then the other side was like the actual translation of the Pali. So I knew what I was saying. Um, and like, I was just really fascinated because, you know, like for the first time in my life, I was actually able to decode what I mumbled every time I went to the temple. Um, not that I quite understood what it meant, but I think that was really the kickstart of my curiosity in Buddhism. Um, and then coupled with that whole thing was my grandma. So I don't really think you'll ever meet my grandma in this lifetime. She's an old spunky lady, but something about my grandma is that she's a firecracker. And if she wants you to do something, you will do it. Like there's no saying no to this woman. Um, so, you know, there was a little child and she wants me to do Buddhist prayers every day um, and then meditation after that. So back then, I was like this 11-year-old girl. I did not know anything about, again, Buddhism or meditation, anything like that. Um, but she dragged me to do these chantings and then meditate every day at 7 o'clock. Um, there was this, like, broadcast of, like, Buddhist chantings. So, like, she would park me in front of the TV. She would put on this program. And then we'd pray together um, or, you know, just recite things together. Um, and then we'd meditate and, you know, she'd made, tell me, like, don't say anything, don't move, just sit there and focus on your breath. And that was the instruction I got. Um, and at the beginning, like, this was torture. Like, I, like, the mosquitoes would bite me. Like, I would get mad, uncomfortable trying to sit in any kind of position for more than a second. Um, I hated it. It was just absolutely painful, you know? Like, I was like, give me a chair. Like, I'm dying here. Um... But like over time, you know, like as my grandma forced me to do this, like I actually started to appreciate it because I realized that like in that tiny frame of, you know, that tiny moment in time where I'm parked in front of the screen and I could just listen and repeat the chantings and then breathe, that was a moment where my kind of troubled thoughts of like, who am I? Where do I belong? Like, what am I supposed to be? All these like really big existential questions that every young person faces like this. That was a moment where those actually quietened down. And I felt like I had some sort of control over how I felt and, you know, like how I, you know, like experienced the situation. So I started to actually try meditating on my own after that practice with my grandma. Um, and I also started to actually study like what do those 
you know, Buddhist scriptures mean? Like, what are they saying? Um, and that's where I started to, you know, that book I got from the Sunday school, I started to really read the translations and try and understand what they meant. I started to read stories on Buddhism. You know, whenever we went to the temple, I actually started listening and trying to understand what monks were saying or nuns were saying. Um, because I'm like, hey, like, I actually am here to learn. Like, I don't want to just go to the temple or, you know, or, or pick up a book and just like, memorize a bunch of words i really want to learn how does buddhist philosophy actually like help my life um and like i think it's a little bit difficult to explain but i'm gonna do my best here um you know like as my meditation practice really grew and i was able to you know sort of get into that deeper state and then observe myself for longer and longer my breathing the workings of my body, the workings of my mind, like a huge change actually took place within myself and in my life. Um, I started being able to, you know, like control, not control, but like understand myself. So like, instead of being constantly uncomfortable, because I wasn't like, I just didn't like myself. And I was just full of like emotional violence and discontinuity from all of the all of those cultural experiences jumbled up in one person I was able to sort of quieten down that sense of discomfort within myself as well as start to understand myself as a person um so like I began introspecting a lot on like oh actually that's why I react like this that's why you know I feel like this and I started to deconstruct all of the beliefs and dismantle the emotional coping mechanisms and systems that I had sort of put in place within myself that actually hurt me more than helped me. Um, and I started rewiring and reworking how I saw myself primarily, um, and also how I saw the world and how I treated the people around me and I treated, you know, schoolwork or like life in general. Um, because I think through meditation, I started to really understand that, you know, like, First of all, like all of those things that had happened to me wasn't necessarily bad or good. It's just something that happened. And that if I really wanted to move on with my life, I would have to learn to let go of all of the negative like energy, the anger, the hatred, the confusion, the doubt. I would need to slowly let go of all of those emotions in order to focus on the present and sort of start bringing that good energy in. So meditation really allowed me to see what was actually going inside of me. Because before, I was, I knew I was angry, I knew I was sad, but I didn't know why. A meditation really allowed me to look inside of myself and see, oh, that's the root. This is why I feel this way. Okay, now I can let it go. Um, Truth has this very incredible function of allowing you to actually move on from whatever it is that's bundle, bundled up inside of you. Um, and the funny thing is that even though we actually live within ourselves, without something like meditation, some sort of reflection or like introspective practice to do you know implement it on a daily basis it's actually really hard to see what's going on inside of your head 
Um, so as I, you know, deepened my practice, I, you know, started to really change my life and how I chose to do things and see things. And I grew a lot, like I, I experienced peace and happiness and serenity. And I started to really move towards just like a spiritual awakening. Um, and you know, like that, that particular period of my life was almost 17 years ago now. Um, but I can say confident with full confidence that like the lessons I learned on how to sort of be with myself as well as just calm myself down and take stock of the situation um, and learn and letting go of things. Like these are lessons that I continue to apply in my life every day. Um, and I know that like without that period of time where I had the chance to, you know, learn meditation in depth as well as Buddhist philosophy, like if I didn't have that encouragement from the people around me, as well as my environment, like if I wasn't in the right environment to learn all of that, it would have been really, really hard for me to apply those lessons as an adult. Um, and, you know, like, just like, this is totally like a side thing. But, you know, like before this podcast, I actually had a dating podcast, and I wrapped that up uh, a month ago or so. And I realized that, you know what, like, I really want to share the philosophies and the inspiration I got from Buddhism and how I apply that into my everyday life and how it really lessens my suffering as well as just lessens the tensions I feel. Um, and the best part about this philosophy is that it's not religious. It, it is not a practice of believing necessarily in something or having faith in something. It's more or less a practice of observing what's going on inside of you um, and then just tweaking whatever it is inside of you to sort of steer yourself in a different direction. Um, like an ex a good example of this is, you know, back then when I thought of who I was, I had an incredible sense of shame um, because I was like, well, like, why am I like this? I don't fit any kind of mold. I'm a third culture kid. I don't belong to any country or any culture or anywhere. Um, and people just by default think I'm weird and nobody really accepts me for who I am. Um, but like through meditation and, you know, sort of like applying kindness towards myself, I sort of reframe that certain and think like, hey, like, wow, like I've experienced so many things in my life. Um, and I've had the opportunity to see so many cultures. And, you know, from those experiences, I've seen that like people are very much the same and that we all require kindness. We all dislike um, negative experiences. And that at the end of the day, like the best, the best course forward is just to be kind to each other. Um, and I wouldn't necessarily have gotten that knowledge had I not gone through all of these difficult and different cultural experiences. Um, so that's kind of just like a simple example as to how following Buddhist philosophy, reflecting on it and applying it in my life has brought me to a really good place. Um, and in a, in a small way, like, I mean, if anyone listens to this and just thinks about even one thing in their lives differently that if it gives them one little good thing like one little nugget of 
wisdom or light or just energy, good energy. Like that, that is all this podcast is for. Um, so, you know, like it's, it's a really long story and it's a really long journey, but I think everyone needs to go through a spiritual awakening at some point in their lives. Um, and even if you're not a spiritual person, I think we all need those coping mechanisms on how to deal with life when things are difficult, when things are dark, when we don't even know how to respond because none of our mechanisms, none of the sort of like workflows we've had in our heads work anymore. Um, and this is what this podcast is about. You know, it's about sort of using ancient philosophies, you know, in Buddhism and actually applying them, executing on them, um, and then seeing the results and so on and so forth. So that kind of concludes my first episode. I hope that gave you a bit of an introduction as to who I am, my spiritual background and journey, um, as well as like future episodes on what the daily Dharma is going to be like. Um, I hope you enjoyed it. I certainly enjoyed sharing my story and thank you so much for being a part of this episode. And I look forward to connecting with you on my next episode.